Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are a Bible-based church out of Peterborough, Canada, and together we are on a mission to reach people who are far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. In today's podcast, we are wrapping up the Names of God series, and this time we've got our family pastor, Andrew Friesen, who is wrapping things up. Throughout the pages of the Bible, God has chosen to reveal himself through a series of names that disclose his eternal character and purpose. And this week, we will learn about how God revealed himself through the prophet Jeremiah as our righteousness. Ultimately, God showed himself to us through Jesus as our righteousness through his death on the cross for our sins. With that, let's turn this over to Pastor Andrew and his message, The Lord is Our Righteousness. Guys, I'm glad to be here. I'm Andrew. I'm the family pastor. Uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we jumped in at this church seven years ago, although we had known the, the team before that. This past weekend, we've been hanging out as a, as a staff team. And I got to say, I just love, I love, love, love the leaders of Pathway Church and uh, the calling that God has on each of our lives. It's a pleasure for me to be a part of it. And uh, today we get to close out this series on the names of God. And for me personally, I love names. I love their meanings. It's always been something I'm interested in. Have you guys ever Googled your, your name, what it means? Anyone done that? Okay. So we've been talking about that, had some fun with that. Um, last week, Todd, what was yours? Fox, I think. You know, Pastor Todd. Uh, so sometimes the name doesn't really have a whole lot going for it, but sometimes there's some depth and some meaning. And it's, if your name doesn't, don't worry. Like, your character will speak for itself. You got this. But uh, for me... And my wife, uh, we chose the names of our kids very intentionally. And for, for our, our oldest, you know, it's, it's uh, God has favored me. And our, our next one, you know, it means weak. But for us, it, it actually meant like how God is the one who gives us strength. Our, com- our help comes from God. And our youngest, his name means bringer of light. And he is this firecracker. He is just, he brings joy to a room. Uh, so it's held true. Uh, and uh, for me, I'm, I'm holding on to my name, means strong and manly. So we're just rolling with it, okay? Uh, but, uh, you know, this, this, this concept of what a name means has been something that we've been looking at. We've been looking at the name of God. And not just one name of God, but there's so many names of God. And so we've been using this, uh, this verse from Psalm 34. It says, O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Okay, so i got a magnifying glass here. One of the things that we're doing here is in the middle of what's been a disorienting year, a year filled with chaos, obviously, you know, so much that's changing. We're just magnifying who God is. And what happens when we do that? When we look at his character, when we, when we, when we hone in and we see that's, that's what I'm really focusing on. The rest of life actually gets blurry, doesn't it? The rest of life loses focus because we realize, wow, this is what matters most. And when I think about what the year has been and what 2020 was, I'm encouraged by the fact that we can have confidence because there's a God that has existed for thousands of years, for eternity. He's been through it all, okay? There's nothing that he hasn't seen. He knows the past, present, and future, and we can have confidence in that, and uh, we're going to find our way in the middle of that. So last week, Pastor Todd talked about how uh, God is Jehovah-Rohi. He's the Lord, my shepherd. 
Uh, before that, Pastor Nathan talked about a few different names of God, but he talked about Yahweh as, as, the, as the great I Am. He's, he's this personal God that's always existing. And today, we're going into one that actually starts with a T-S. And you guys didn't know any words that start with a T-S? It's kind of fun. General Tsao, chicken, tsunami. Uh, what else? Tzatziki's close. It's a T-Z. So I feel like they saved the, the hardest one for last. And it is uh, Jehovah... Sid Canoe. You like that, eh? You almost need like the, uh, I don't know what that is. I took linguistics. Labiodental? Something like that. Bilabial, I don't know. Fricative? Something like that. Uh, Jehovah Sid Canoe. Okay, can we all say that together? Jehovah Sid Canoe. Okay. And what it means is this. The Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. Now, uh, that's not a word, righteousness, that we use a whole lot. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're going about your work, for me, I was, I was in carpentry. I never once heard that word in three years of working carpentry, right? It's not something that you hear, you know. Uh, the closest thing you'd get is self-righteous. Like, ah, oh, that person's so stuck up, self-righteous, all that. You never, heard the, you never hear the word righteous. Um, for my wife, Sonia, she's a, she's a preschool teacher. If there's a big, complex word that's hard to understand, she calls it a juicy word. Okay, righteousness, that is a juicy word. So let's define it just uh, so we're all on the same page here. So uh, number one, the quality of being morally true or justifiable. Okay, So someone who's righteous uh, loves what's good. They, they think what's good. They, 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 they want what's good. It, you know, There's a standard of morality that exists out there that they want to adhere to. Too, okay, so that's kind of a general understanding that we'd have about about the world and uh, and righteousness. Okay, that kind of makes sense whether you have been in you know in faith circles or not. But uh, but here is another definition: it's being right in the eyes of God. See, the Bible actually talks about righteousness and uh, and justice, which is actually you know part of the same Hebrew word. Righteousness and justice are, are deeply aligned, and it talks about it. I think it's seven hundred times. Okay? Jehovah Sidkenu only shows up two times in the Bible. This concept of righteousness shows up like 700 times. So being right in the eyes of God. What that means is, there is a, there's an objective moral standard uh, of, of right and wrong that exists out there, and God is it. Okay, So everything is compared to God. He's the gold standard for right and wrong. He's morally perfect. He's never failed. He's never let anyone uh, down. Uh, he's never done anything wrong. That's, that's how it is. It's compared to God. And, um, but sometimes that may, that may be still hard to get a picture of that. It seems a little bit heady, a little philosophical, right? So let me boil that down into a concept maybe you can understand. Um, have you ever had a relationship where things weren't right between you and the other person. Okay? Have you ever had that? So, so maybe you have a best friend. You guys have been tight for years and years and years. Okay? Uh, you're getting along. You, you know, you're friends. You're right with each other. Right? It's a good friendship. And then all of a sudden, something happens and it goes south. Okay? Someone says something. Someone does something. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, there is something in between us. There's some separation. You're not right with each other. Uh, you can you can carry that example not in just friendship but every aspect of life for your coworker uh, your boss you know your marriage 
And for me, uh, my wife, Sonia, and I, we went to a marriage retreat uh, two weeks ago over to Blue Mountain. Uh, anyone been to Family Life Getaway? You don't have to put up your hands, but I really recommend that you go to those weekends. So we're celebrating 10 years this past uh, July in marriage, and we're like, hey, if we want to have a marriage that really stands the test of time, we've got to invest. We've got to keep you know, putting date nights on the calendar. You've got to put work in. And so we went to this getaway. And, of course, uh, we're both fairly... Uh, I say that word funny, don't I? Both. Anyway, that's just because I grew up in Northern Ontario. Um, anyway, that's just because I grew up in Northern Ontario. Um, but uh, we we both have this drive to be to be, be to, to be the best that we can be in marriage. Okay, she's driven. She's probably even more driven than I am. But uh, she, you know, we just want to uh, make the most of this life that we're given, this relationship that we have. So so we're going through the content. We're having conversation and. Um, you ever just like dealt with 10 years of awesomeness and awfulness all in like conversations one after the other after the other? It's a lot, right? Uh, things get brought up from the past. It's like, I thought we had dealt with that, but okay, here we go again. And time after time. So for a little bit of that weekend, we were not right with each other. Okay. And then we figured out, we, uh, we, we worked through it. Of course, we have our issues like every other couple, but we're working on it and we're you know, working to be right. But have you ever had it where you're just not right with someone and that's the way it's going to be? Like, it ain't ever going to be right. Some things have been said, some things have been done, and like, hey, that's it. Okay? That's, that's kind of the break in relationship, the separation. And the reality is, is that we're not right with God. There's been a separation that is that is that has come between us. When when God created the world, He made us He made us good. He said, like, hey, this is good. And uh, and then through the fall and every different year of history since that point, we've kind of lived out that brokenness in how we relate to God. We separate from Him. We rebel against Him. We go our own way. But that's not just true of our relationship with God. It's also true of the way that we treat the people around us. Okay, so it's this vertical thing and this horizontal thing. We're just like, we're not right with God, and we're not right with the people around us. You guys get that? Okay? Uh, and, and Romans would say this, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there's this standard of perfection that God has to, by definition, adhere to. He is the standard for right and wrong. He never does anything wrong. And we just can't live up to that. And, uh, and, and we can't live up to that. And for some of us, as soon as we hear that, we get a little uneasy. It's like, okay, here he goes. He's going into preachiness, talking about how messed up I am. I already know it, Andrew. Like, give me a break. Chill out for a second. And we get a little uneasy, and we kind of do two things. Either we, uh, we start defending ourselves. Like, come on. Like, what do you expect of me? I'm, you expect me to be perfect? No, no, no. Like, come on. Like, I'm better than this person that I work with. We, do, we go that route, or we go into, like, shame and like just like yeah i i know i'm a failure like seriously like uh we do one of those two things but the reality is and here's you know we're talking about righteousness but i want to share that there is a gift for you today there is a gift for you and it's this that god made us right with him okay so that separation existed that that failure on our part to live up to to who he is he dealt with that he dealt with that. And, um, you know, when I think about the world that we live in, it's hard to not see the brokenness. You know, um, and I'm just not just talking about, like, natural disaster. That's one thing. But I'm talking about the, the awfulness in our world caused from one person, how they treat another. Okay? And there's so many examples. You know, things like uh, people being trampled at Astroworld. What, what happened um, to Kyle Beach? 
you know, in the NHL. Uh, you look at what we're talking about with residential schools. You know, the list goes on. Sex trafficking, abuse of all kinds. We do that to each other. And that's gone on for all of history. And God, who's just, who's right, is making things right and has a plan to bring the world back to right. And there was a prophet. His name's Jeremiah. Um, you know, hundreds of years uh, before before Jesus. So we're talking 25, 2800 years ago, a long time ago. He saw this pattern of injustice in the world and, and he said, there's actually someone coming. He prophesied that someone was coming who was going to make things right. So let's go to Jeremiah 23. It says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. We'll keep going. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in land. Hold, hold on there. So there's, there's actually someone who's coming, okay? He's, he's, he's a branch, so he's in the family tree of this guy named David, okay? And, uh, and he's going to come and he's going to have power and authority. He's going to reign as a king, but he's not going to be just this tyrant. He's going to deal wisely, okay? He's going to bring... Uh, justice and righteousness. He's going to return us back to what's right. Let's keep going. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord, our righteousness. And spoiler alert, who he's talking about is a prophecy about Jesus. Okay. He's prophesying about Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. There's something that this character in history that was fully God and fully man did for us that we couldn't do on our own. I can't wait to, to dive into that a little bit later. We're going to talk about five ways that we are made right. Um, and, uh, and you're going to want to take some notes on that one. But first, I just have to clear something else up. See, um, some of us, this whole concept of righteousness, maybe you're, you're new to faith, you're exploring it, you're talking with your coworker about it, um, and... Uh, and this concept of righteousness is actually one of the things that you can't stand most about Christianity. Right? Uh, you think of God as, as this cosmic killjoy. Like, man, he doesn't want anything good for us. And you picture like a comic strip where, where God's up in heaven, up in the clouds. He's got, he's got lightning bolts and he's throwing them down on guys. Like, ah, I got you. Yeah, not so fast, buddy. He's, uh, he's fist bumping the angels around him like... Guys, 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 let's hold it on, you know, you know, keep it together down there. That's, that's not the picture that we, that we have. That's not what the Christian story is all about. And I can't wait to show you what's going on. But we have this sense in our world that, you know, if we, if we hold on to the Christian view of, of morality and God of righteousness, that all of a sudden life's going to fall apart. But the reality is... Uh, you know, if you look at what our culture believes, okay? If you look at society, we hold two contradictory beliefs at the same time, okay? Um, if, if you're an atheist, if you're an agnostic, this one's especially for you. But I think this is true for all of us because it's the tension that we live with. Okay, so just go with me for a couple minutes, okay? On one hand, we're passionate for social justice, okay? We, we see things that are wrong in the world and we really want to fix them. We see, uh, we see poverty based on selfishness. We want to solve it. We see uh, abuse. We want to do something about it. We rightfully... Uh, feel like that's not the way the world should be. We know that it shouldn't be like that, and we want to do something about it. You know, there are things that are objectively wrong and need to be dealt with and punished and eradicated that we want to work towards. Okay? Is that, that we, can we all agree? Like, there's a lot of things that are really wrong in the world. 
that should not be. They should not. It's not just that it's not my preference. It's just that they should not be. Then on the other hand, we also say there's no objective morality. Whatever's true for you, do that. You know, whatever's right for you, carry on that way. There's no one true God. There's a whole bunch of different ways that you can live your life. Do whatever you want, uh, you know, as long as, you know, you don't offend my personal freedom. Okay? So we hold both of those things in our society at the same time. The problem is they actually don't work together. Because, you know, if, if you're on this side and you say, like, hey, whatever you want, do whatever you want. Well, what happens if I punch you in the face? All right? And you're like, well, that wasn't very nice. Okay, so what? Should I care? You know? And you're like, well, that's, that's, that's not, it's not nice. It's not good. You, you shouldn't do that. Of course you shouldn't do that. Well, why shouldn't I do that? Give me an explanation. Why should I not punch you in the face? C.S. Lewis talks about this in his book, Mere Christianity. Uh, you know, why shouldn't I punch you in the face? Well, it, it, it's not good for society. Well, why should I care what's good for society? Okay, well, because you should be kind. Well, why should I be kind? See, what happens is there's no actual good explanation for why you should do the right thing. But on the other hand, we know that there's things that are wrong with the world that we should do about. So we're torn between them, and it's because we don't actually have a foundation for morality based on an objective thing. And that's what we lose as soon as we get into relativism and just believe whatever you want. All of a sudden, we can't, we can't actually you know, blame Nazi Germany for doing what they did to the Jews because just they decided that was true for them. Because there's no objective morality that's that's grounding all this. Do you guys get what I'm saying? It's a little bit uh, a little bit philosophical, but you actually have to think about that because that there's contradictions going on in our world that we actually have to deal with and uh, and be real about. Uh, it's I used to do custom uh, high end home building, and it's like we've built this mansion on top of like a sinkhole. Okay, it looks it looks really pretty in society when we talk about like you know abuse has to stop. We got to do better, but there's no actual foundation for why we should do better except that we should. That's basically it. Okay, um, and that sinkhole is eventually going to just collapse, and all those cracks are going to show, and it comes crashing down. But there is a God of righteousness that we can root morality in that gives us what we need to live the good life. That gives us what we need as a motivation. We're going to get into this to do the right thing. But it's not something that we just have to, um, you know, r- just be, be upset about. See, the thing is, I'll, I'll sum it up with this. Without a God of righteousness, you can't explain injustice and you can't solve injustice in our world. Okay? So, uh, I think that's making sense. If it's not, I'd love to chat with you more uh, after service. You know, we can't explain it because how do I how do I say that there's evil in the world if I don't actually believe in a God and in a good these categories of good and evil? How can I say that these things are good? It's just not my preference. I don't like that it happened. That's basically what you're left with. And you actually, other than like do better, try harder, there's no actual way to solve what's wrong with the world. Okay. Let's keep moving back into what we were talking about with this concept of righteousness that is given by God. See, for some of us, the fact that God is righteous still isn't good news. It's like, yeah, that's not actually helpful. That's not something that encourages me. I feel worse about myself. And, uh, you know, I'm not that great of a person. Or, like, maybe I am, but, like, I still got work to do. I'm still trying. If that's the picture that you have of the Christian faith, you've missed the point of the Bible. And that's not on you. You know, it's easy to slip into this concept of 
just trying harder. But that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? And uh, to illustrate, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, about uh, I'll go back 15 years of my life. True story. And uh, there's a guy I know, his name's Wes. And... Uh, Awesome guy, okay? Awesome guy. He, uh, he you know, he, his life looks pretty put together, okay? And then there's this other guy, we'll call him Jimmy, that's uh, a bit of a mess, a bit of a train wreck in his life, and uh, and Wes takes Jimmy under his wing for years and years and years. And I've got to let you know, that the background on Jimmy is uh, his his family uh, just, you know, fell apart. And so he's kind of bounced around between homes, between situations, history of alcohol addiction in his life. He ends up getting into alcohol, spends time in jail, and uh, and this guy Wes still still takes him under his wing. Okay, so so when uh, when he's in jail, he'll go and visit him. Okay, he uh, he 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 takes him out when he's in, when he's not in jail. He takes him out for coffee, drives him over to a men's breakfast. You know, he's talking with him. He he wants the best for Jimmy. Okay, he wants the best for Jimmy, and he loves him deeply. And uh, one of the things that, that Wes did one Saturday, Wes went, went with his wife, and, uh, and Jimmy's apartment is just a, a, a trash mess, right? You know, just there's, there's puke in the carpets from the drinking. There's, there's you know, bottles everywhere. There's, um, uh, there's probably some, some drug stuff, you know, in the, in the mix there as well. It's just, it's just messy. And what Wes does with his wife, they give up their Saturday and they just go in with gloves and garbage bags and they shampoo the carpets and they clean this place up. Wes is actually my dad. And, uh, you know, story's probably never been told before. But what I saw from my dad for this guy blows me away. Because he never gave up on Jimmy. It didn't matter what Jimmy did. He was there for him. He wanted the best. And when Jimmy went off to jail another time, for whatever it was in that moment, there was still love. There was still acceptance. There was, there was still this like longing for Jimmy to grow and to be able to flourish and you know, enjoy life and have what's good. But, but, but the thing was, you know, I, I remember... I remember sitting at the at the kitchen table, uh, dining room table, at supper time, and a call would come over the phone. You guys ever heard of a collect call? You know, so so a call would come in. Jimmy's in jail again, and uh, and we have to pay for the call because he can't pay for it on his own. And I remember every single time, my dad would pick up because he was there for Jimmy. He was there for Jimmy, and there was no begrudgingness on my dad's part. You know, he was there for him, and he wanted what was best for him. And he was there, and he still is. And that's the picture that I have of God's love for us. You know, when we make a mistake, when we, you know, figuratively end up in jail, when we're just ashamed and we don't even know who to call, and we're like, ah, I can't call God. He's there, ready ready to take that collect call. He's already paid for the collect call. Okay, He's there for us. And um, that's this picture of love. So as we dive into Titus 3 here, I want you to think about that as the God of righteousness. Okay, That's the God of righteousness that we're talking. Okay, So Titus 3.3, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. 
kind of stinks to say that about ourselves, right? But that is the reality. And I see that in Jimmy, but I don't just see that in, in him. I see that in myself. I see that in myself. But that's not the end of the story. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Okay, the goodness and loving kindness. Yeah, he is, you know, the the moral perfection, but there's goodness and loving kindness. And he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. All things are being made new. He's cleaning everything up. He's dealt dealt with that, and he's continuing to clean it up. Let's keep going. When he poured out on us richly, uh, whom he poured out us richly through Christ Jesus, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You guys catch that? Justified by his grace. That's something that happened once and for all at a point in time. But that we're also being changed. We're being regenerated. We're being transformed. That's an ongoing process. Okay, so we're going to talk quickly here. Break down five ways that we're made right. Okay? We'll go through them fairly quickly. Number one. Okay. We are forgiven of past and present and future sin. When, when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as, as his perfect God, perfect man, he sent him on purpose. Okay? John Piper had this book a number of years ago, 50 Reasons Jesus Came to Die. Okay? Um, and I'm only going to share five of them for us right here. But there's, he came on purpose. He died on the cross, taking all of the sins of the entire world on his shoulders. Okay? He was the sacrificial lamb. You know, it, there used to be this Old Testament concept of like sacrificing an animal, and, and that blood was spilled to, for forgiveness of sins. Well, Jesus took that upon himself when he went to the cross. He dealt with your sin once and for all. He dealt with your sin. He dealt with the sin of everyone around you. Not just the past sin, not just the, the present sin, but everything in the future. It's wiped clean, okay? So, so when we think about identity, when I think about Jimmy, you know, whatever, whatever, um, whatever mistakes that we've made, whatever regrets, and for you, maybe you have past regrets in life, past regrets in relationship. You know, maybe you've been stuck in some kind of addiction. Maybe you've done jail time. Or maybe, you know, figuratively, you've done jail time because you're just in bondage to something in your life. Guys, that is wiped clean, okay? So there's no secrets. There's no shame, okay? We don't have to live with that anymore. It's wiped clean. We're free, okay? That's dealt with. Jesus dealt with that. And sometimes we feel like, you know what, I got I to, gotta like, you know, you know, keep hoping that I can turn things around. Like, God couldn't have forgiven me. I keep making mistakes. Guess what? That's why he died, you know, if, if God couldn't deal with your, you know, your your sin and actually deal with it like that, he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus to die. He wouldn't have done that for you, but he did because he wanted you to be forgiven. Okay, number two, okay, you are freed from having to earn love. This is this is this is kind of our default. Whether whether you're a non-Christian, Christian, doesn't really matter. This is what we end up doing. We we we, tr- we keep thinking that we have to do things. Enough things, and finally, you know, God's going to accept us, okay? So, you know, you've got to be generous. You've got to show up at church, you know, a certain amount of attendance. I don't know what that, you know, rate per month is, but you gotta, just gotta, it's got to be better. Whatever it is, it's got to be better. Like, we just got to feel like, you know, let's keep going with this. I've got to be a better person. I've got to, you know, stop swearing. I've got to deal with all this kind of things. That's the way that we look at a relationship with God. But no, 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 no. 
you're freed from having to earn love. Okay? We love because he first loved us. Not we love so that he will love us. Okay? We live, here's another way of saying it, we live out of acceptance, not for acceptance. Some of you guys need to hear that. We live out of acceptance, not for acceptance. Uh, So there's no striving. There's no striving. Dallas Willard has this quote that I love. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. I'm going to say that again. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. See, it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. What Jesus did for us on the cross, you know, becoming our righteousness, that's a gift. Guys, you don't have to do that. He's, he's already done that for you. He's freed you to a new life. Okay? Number three, intimacy in relationship. Okay? When you think about Jimmy on the phone, I'm not sure how many days it took when he's in jail to pick up the phone and finally go to God. Or, you know, my dad. He's not God. <laughs> uh, just keep this analogy straight. Um, you know... But he did, because there is an intimacy that comes with knowing that no matter what you've done, you're still loved. Okay? And for some of us in our life groups, we shy away from talking about different parts of our life because we feel like God can never, you know, accept this part of me. You know, and in, 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 in youth group, we're meeting here on a Friday night, 20 leaders, 10 different small groups you know, with, with all the different teens, we split off into, into our small groups and have conversation. The reality is, you don't have to hide because God loves you and we love you. You can have intimacy with God, okay? Not based on a perfect life. That's not what gives you access to God. You experience intimacy with God because He invites you in as a son or a daughter. Love that, love that song that we were singing. You know, I am a child of God. You don't, you don't stop becoming a child of God because you mess up. You are a child of God. You're an heir to the throne. You're clothed in righteousness. That means like whatever, you know, with the filthy things that were, that were you, know, you know, the clothes that are just like stained. They're, they're replaced with just like perfect clothes. Intimacy in relationship. No hiding. No hiding. We don't need to hide. Some of us are hiding. I hide, okay? I hate conflict. I, uh, I hate letting other people down. I hate letting God down. And what I've had to realize is that God loves me even if I let him down. So just go to him. Go to him. Number four, we're motivated with power to change. Okay? Some of us get stuck in a rut. Uh, we just think like, man, I'll never get out of this. I want to I be good. I want to follow God. I want this. But like, ah, I just don't know. I just don't know. God, through Jesus Christ, transforms us. And then the Holy Spirit does a work in us. And uh, let's go to, uh, to Titus 3. Uh, I think it's uh, 6 and 7 there. Uh, 6 and 7. And it talks about how... Uh, no, let's go back one. Let's go back. Yeah, there we go. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So what happens is the Holy Spirit comes and, and fills us, and we are changed from the inside out. We have a motivation that's not just like trying to earn. Okay? That's a gift that's given, not because of works done by us in righteousness. It's for us. We have the motivation. Okay? If you don't have God as your righteousness... What, what gives you the power to be better? What gives you the power to move forward? 
Okay? It's just your self-will. It's just like, I got to try harder. But we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, transforming us from the inside out. And that is something that's so, so powerful. And um, guys, we're going to be celebrating baptisms. Okay? In, uh, I think it's going to be in early January, it's looking like. If you have experienced you know, that, that saving faith, you, you trust in God, in what Jesus did on the cross, and now you want to live a new life, okay? This is going on. The washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, that is going on inside of you currently. That's a process called sanctification, another juicy word. Uh, that's something that's going on. And let's celebrate that together. So if you've already made that step and you want to go public with that, let us know. We would love to be able to celebrate that with you because that is something that's incredible. See, there's a motivation change in our hearts where we would just want to live out of everything that God has given us and uh, give Him our all. Number five, okay? Number five, we're confident in the future. We're, we're heirs to the throne. Okay, we're, we're, we're heirs in the kingdom of God. He's preparing this place. That song talked about that, how he's preparing a place for us. And so no matter what life's going to throw at us, no matter what 2022 brings our way, we're not going to fear. Okay, we're not going to fear because we're confident in what God did for us. We're confident in, in that and how it's transforming us. So those are five different things. And in a minute, we're going to be singing a song together. It's an old one. Nothing but the blood. And... Um, I just want to ask you, you know, when you, when you hear about this, this idea of, of righteousness, how God is our righteousness, how in Jesus he's done everything for us to be able to experience that, like, what's your response? Are you like, ah, no, I got to do it on my own. I really got to do this. Or are you willing to trust in what Jesus has done for you on your behalf as a gift Are you willing to experience all those different things? Forgiveness from your sin. Freedom from having to earn love. Intimacy in relationship. The motivation and power to change. And confidence in the future. I want to ask you, you know, will you trust in Jesus as your righteousness? That's that's extended to you. And guys, in terms of application, in terms of what to do with this, this is really what it comes down to, okay? This is really what it comes I mean, there's different things that you can put in place, different habits to grow in holiness, to grow in love for God, to, to, to deal with kind of the, the ways that you always go into thinking. But, you know, this is where it's at. Like, if we're not willing to take the step to trust in Jesus as our righteousness, like, that's, we're not going to get anywhere, you know? And so... I just invite you to take that step of faith. To say, God, I want you to deal with my sin. I want you to make me new. And for those of us that have already made that decision, for me it was, you know, when I was 12, so it's almost 20 years ago, I still have to, make, have to make the decision to put my faith in Jesus and trust Him for my righteousness, you know, and live out of that transformation. So I just invite you guys. Take that step into trusting Jesus as your righteousness. Would you pray with me? God, uh, thank you for the gift of Jesus, your son, and his death on the cross for us. Thank you that you bring freedom. You bring forgiveness. You deal with our past. You make us new. I want that for myself. I want that for each of us, God. Lord, help us to 
surrender ourselves to you. Help us to surrender ourselves to you and live fully for you, fully devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that wraps up from us here at Pathway Church. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please visit our website, www.pathwaylife.com. You can also keep up with us on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash pathwaylifechurch. And of course, facebook.com forward slash pathwaylife. Have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you very soon. Bye.